you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 team. Hello, Dodger fans, and welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio of Chavez Ravine Fiends, and I'm back with Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential. Jeff, you've had to hold it down the last two times, but uh, we're back. Yeah, you left me alone, and I ended up defending both Josh Hader and Anthony Rendon. So uh, don't ever leave me alone again because I can't be trusted. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We Not too much uh, arguments there, but I probably would have had some different points than you. But uh, Yeah, you missed your chance, man. Yeah, I know. My, oh, well. my points are the official stance of the Locked On Dodgers, thanks to you. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> Uh, all right, so today we're going to kind of revisit an episode we had when the Garrett Cole news broke, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Dodgers and getting, if they do happen to get a third baseman, what that means for how the infield moves around. And we're going to get into a little bit of a talk about involving Kobe, Kershaw, and Madison Bumgarner. So make sure you stick around for that. But first, a quick reminder to subscribe to Locked On Dodgers wherever you get your podcasts. And when you get in your car in the morning, tell your smart device to play a podcast, Locked On Dodgers. All right, before we get into this discussion about Dodgers infield and any potential moves that happen, uh, the only bit of relevant Dodger content we had on Monday was involving Max Muncy, and he posted... Uh, something he posted a picture of a bunch of letters and packages, and he basically saying that uh, came home from a mini vacation and that going through all this mail and all these all this mail we got is absurd. He asked to respect his family's home and his limited time there. People on Twitter took it out of context. I'm sure maybe people started replying to him who took it a different way. He wrote another one basically saying that. He would does not mind signing and doing whatever, but if they can send it to the Dodgers uh, in the clubhouse and he can get to it when he gets to L.A. rather than his home address was leaked. Um, I think we both share the similar sentiments here. So, Jeff, if you could uh, you know, kind of give your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, just from a practical standpoint, your chances of getting stuff signed is better sending it to the Dodgers. They have clubhouse guys who it's it's part of their job is to – keep track of the autograph request, get it to the guys when they have time and everything. Um, and, you know, they, they have, during spring training, during the season, they have downtime when they kind of devote that to signing those things. And, and the off season sends stuff to their home. I mean, chances are half those things are going to end up getting lost and people aren't ever going to get a response, even if he does get around to it. And most likely, what I would do if I were him, I'd throw them in a bag and you know, take them with me to spring training, give them to the clubhouse guy and say, hey, get these to me when I have time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a reason that we don't know players' home addresses, and, and there's a reason that every team makes it easy to to get autographs by just sending stuff to the clubhouse. Uh, I'm not sure the thought process that goes into sending something to a person's home, but uh, 
I definitely didn't see anything wrong with what Muncie said or even the way he said it. And, you know, especially with his follow-up post, I mean, any, all of us who know and root for Max Muncie know what kind of guy he is. I, I, I think the only people who took it wrong are people who aren't familiar with the Dodgers and with Max Muncie. Yeah, yeah. The main guy that posted it that's been getting uh, the go around on Twitter is, I think, a Yankees fan or Yankees writer. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean. What do you expect? Yeah, true. Yeah, just autographs and stuff in general is cool. But for me, I'm not, I've never been a big autograph guy. So, I don't know. I don't really get it, anyways. Yeah. But, uh, all right, let's get into the next part of our discussion. Which we had already before, kind of, but that was before Anthony Rendon signed, before seemingly the Dodgers are kind of out on Josh Donaldson. You haven't seen them linked as as much lately, uh, but they have been linked to Francisco Lindor. And if Francisco Lindor came over in a trade, obviously something would have to change in the infield, depending on who was getting sent to Cleveland. Uh, so Jeff, if you know. With the focus on Lindor, what does that kind of mean for the rest of the Dodgers infield? Yeah, assuming the Dodgers really hold hold strong and don't trade Gavin Lux as part of that trade, um, and assuming that they don't trade Seager, obviously if they tra- traded Seager, it would just be plug in Lindor at shortstop and easy peasy. Um, but assuming they have Seager and Lux and Lindor, uh, it seems like, you know, I've seen some people saying Seager to second, and Muncie to third, uh, you know, either way, it seems like Justin Turner would be going to first base, um, probably. But uh, it seems to me like the most logical thing would be uh, move Seager over to third base, Muncie back to second base, and JT to first base with Lindor at short, and then trying out Gavin Lux in the outfield. Um, you know, they, they said that's a possibility, and he's young, he's athletic, he's fast. Uh, I... We've seen with Chris Taylor, they they took a young, fast, athletic guy and said, learn how to play the outfield. And within a couple months, he was a really good defensive outfielder. So, you know, reason to think Gavin Lux couldn't do the same thing. I think Hanley Ramirez is the only middle infielder in history to uh, embarrass himself as an outfielder. So I'm sure Gavin Lux could play the outfield, especially considering there's only one more year left on Justin Turner's contract. And so it could just be a, a short-term thing. But uh, it, it would be a good problem to have to have to have to find room for all those good players. I now we well we agreed you know Lux to the outfield would make sense between days off needed just in general um, with JT needing most of them you know Gux, Lux could fill in once he goes back to first or however they want to move it around. But now that's, you know, kind of going forward, uh, we didn't really talk about this too much last time, is I don't – if I'm the Indians, I don't think there's a way you're re- you're going to get Lindor without Lux unless you pretty much give up two through, like, five or two of two through five of the Dodgers prospects after Lux. And even then – I don't know. I just don't see the Dodgers getting Lindor without giving up Lux anymore. Yeah, it is hard to see. Um, it really boils down to how interested the Indians are in moving Lindor. Um, and, you know that we saw when, like when the Dodgers got Machado. Obviously, that was a you know three month rental, not a two year rental. 
Um, but, you know, the Dodgers kind of overwhelmed the Orioles with quantity more than quality. And, and the Dodgers have such a deep farm system. And, and even just looking at, I saw a list of guys who will be eligible for the Rule 5 draft next year. And there's like eight guys who I'm thinking right now, oh, yeah, you probably want to protect that guy. And so it's almost like they need to start trading some minor leaguers because uh, they, they're running out of room. You know, they, they, they're going to have to do something with some of these guys. And so I don't know if it's for Lindor or not, but the Dodgers are in the, the good position. of They don't need Lindor. They're not desperate for him. And, you know, they, they, they won 106 games without him last year. Uh, adding Lindor would be an upgrade if it was for the right situation. But I don't think Lindor is enough of an upgrade over Seager or Lux to make it worth uh, really going crazy to get him if they have to give up one of those guys. So, But if they could have Seager and Lux in the lineup still and Lindor, if they can make that happen, that would be awesome. But you might be right. It, it might not be in the cards. Uh, maybe they're going to pivot to Mookie Betts or something. Yeah, yeah. but, uh, you know, Lux, if somehow, or, you know, even if they do get Donaldson or someone else uh, in that realm, you know, Lux to the outfield and kind of filling in wherever they need is probably the best bet. And that... I mean, we've talked about this a few times. But you got to imagine one of Kike or Taylor goes somehow, some way, if they get another guy to either go in the infield or maybe somebody to go in the outfield. But, you know, you don't really see where, where that would be right now or what they could even get for those guys. So it, there's there's just a lot left in this offseason, and we don't really – we really have no idea what's going to happen I know you're still expecting a big trade. I'm kind of off on uh, a big trade happening. So it's just, you know, there's a lot left to happen in this offseason. But, you know, every day it goes by, you're kind of like, all right, what, what, what is going to happen? Yeah, and, and maybe right now the more interesting question is what do they do in the infield if they don't acquire anybody else? Just now that they've kind of talked to Justin Turner about moving to first base, it's kind of been known now that, Maybe they have concerns about JT's defense. Do they still make a shift, you know, and go just bump everybody counterclockwise, go, you know, Muncie to second, Lux to short, Seager to third, and JT over to first? Or or do they, you know, stand pat with Muncie at first, Lux at second, Seager at short, JT at third? Uh, yeah, there, there's so many questions, and it's hard to see. One of the reasons I expect the Dodgers to do something is just because right now they have – too many players you know it's they it seems like they have to do something yeah yeah that's definitely you know a matter of it and what we've been talking about is just not kind of running things back with the same guys but also graduating guys from the minors like Lux, and that's going to push somebody else out so we'll see what happens um that's going to do it for this part of the discussion we are going to talk about kobe bryant clayton kershaw madison bumgarner You'll see how we tie them in. Before we get to that, if you're looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts around teams' passion moments. Great for all fans. Go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn and search the site for all great shirts and fun sports gifts. And make sure you stay Locked On Dodgers. All right, let's get into our obscure former Dodger. 
Uh, Wade Miley signed with the Reds, which is not really relevant to the Dodgers, but reminded me of a soft-tossing left-hander. And I don't think we've done this guy before. And kind of looking at his baseball reference page, it's pretty interesting. And that's Ted Lilly. So Ted Lilly was drafted by the Dodgers in 1996. And then he was traded with Wilton Guerrero and Johnny Tucker and Peter Bergeron to the Expos for Hiram Boca Chica, who is another former obscure Dodger, or obscure former Dodger. Carlos Perez, who's an obscure former Dodger. Mark Grezlanik, who hasn't been yet, but could possibly be. Did we not do him? I thought we did Grezlanik too, but maybe not. I don't think so. I would remember if you did on your own, maybe. But uh, and then Ted Lilly was part of another trade for Hideki Arabu. Him and Jake Westbrook went to the Yankees, and then he was part of the trade that's in Moneyball, where the A's traded Carlos Pena to the Tigers. It was a three-team trade. Uh, not just the the trade they showed in the movie. So there's a, Jeff Weaver was in that trade. Jeremy Bonderman was in that trade. So there's a, f- a few other trades. Um, and then he was also traded to the Dodgers in 2010 with Ryan Terrio for two minor leaguers and Blake DeWitt. Uh, and then in t- 2013, the Dodgers let him go. And that was the last time he ever pitched. So my string of picking guys that played their last season with the Dodgers. Uh, it was not a streak, but just my pension for it is back. But yeah, Ted Lilly, two-time All-Star, not with the Dodgers. Um, just an interesting, interesting career when you look at all the trades he was involved in. Yeah, he was also traded for Bobby Kelty once, and uh, Bobby Kelty's claim to fame, of course, is that my brother used to do pest control at his house. Uh, obviously that's what everybody knows about Bobby Kelty. Um, but yeah, my other big memory of Ted Lilly is he always looked like he was going to cry. So I always felt bad. Anytime a manager came out to take him out of a game, he looked like he was going to cry. And you wonder how a guy with that face ends up in, in the major leagues, but maybe it was because people felt bad for him all the time. That's possible. All right. One guy we don't feel bad for is Madison Baumgartner. Not at all. Yeah. Jeff talked about him yesterday. And this was the other part of our discussion in that episode on Garrett Cole Knight. Uh, it stemmed from an article from Dodgers Nation about compa- comparing Kobe Bryant's last two-year deal with the Lakers and Clayton Kershaw's extension that he got before last season, and just kind of you know is this is it are they similar? And when we talked about it in uh, various ways. So we're going to get into that, and then we'll tie in Bumgarner as part of that. So, Jeff, uh, so Kobe got two years, 48 mil. Over his last two years, he was hurt one of the years, and then his last year, they were a really, really bad team, but he would kind of became the sideshow, or the, the main show, the main attraction with his farewell tour. So comparing that to Clayton Kershaw's extension, which realistically just added one year and lowered his AAV down um and not similar ages. Kershaw's going to be his mid-30s still, and Kobe was already in his late 30s. But, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because there, you know, there's obviously some similarities, uh, you know, but also basketball and baseball are such different sports. And, you know, there's such a big difference between a guy like Kobe who 
was the man. He was the go-to guy for the Lakers versus a guy, even Kershaw. He only starts once every five days. You know, there's no individual player on a baseball team who can have as big an impact as a basketball player can. And so committing to Kobe like that was basically the Lakers saying, uh, yeah, we're not going to be good for a little while. Uh, the, you know, the Dodgers didn't have to punt in order to give Kershaw that extension as evidenced by the fact that they set a, <laughs> a record for wins in the regular season last year in the first year of that, of that, those last three years with Kershaw. Um, and obviously Kershaw's not what he used to be, but a, he's still, he was still really good last year, even if he's a totally different pitcher and B he's just, it's the impact of one player is not nearly as big and so, uh, obviously, I'll take Kershaw's over over Kobe's just because it doesn't mean committing to being a bad team. And the other part of it too is, you know, Kobe making twenty four mil. That's a significant part of salary cap, which the Dodgers and MLB don't. I mean, there's the luxury tax, but there's not a hard salary cap. So, you know, Kershaw, even if he was making fifty million a year, realistically, wouldn't wouldn't have to hurt the team. Because they could still sign other guys if they want, um, so that's that's the other part of it. Like I said, Kobe was on his last two years ever. Kershaw is probably probably going to pitch still once his extension is up. But I think the other part that we didn't get to talk about last time because Bumgarner hadn't signed with the D-backs yet, and now we can kind of bring into it is the legacy and the, and the setting a precedent with your homegrown guys. You know, Kobe was the Lakers guy. And if they wanted to potentially show players that wanted to come to L.A., hey, we're going to take care of you if you take care of us kind of thing. And that was part of it with Kobe. And I don't think that's necessarily part of what it was with Kershaw because, like I said, he already had signed the deal. He only, All they did was add an extra year, which at the end of the day wasn't – I don't see it as too big a deal. But it does kind of show we haven't really seen it – I mean, they paid Jansen as well, and, and Turner kind of became a Dodgers, not homegrown necessarily, but he was kind of their guy after they got him from the Mets and they ended up paying him. So the Dodgers have shown the ability to sign their guys if they want to stay, and if there's a mutual interest in staying. We've seen some other players, uh, not really any homegrown guys yet leave. Uh, we will have to see it in the near future with Bueller and Bellinger and, and all those guys, assuming they stay on board. But I think it's... You know, teams, players, whatever you want to read into what they think. But I think a small part of it is like, hey, if, you know, if I come in and, and do what they ask of me and, and go above and beyond and kind of be a the face of the franchise, then I'm going to get taken care of in the end. Yeah. And, w- you know, with Bumgarner, it's, it, it's a hard thing as a fan. You know, you and I both said when the, when the Giants hired Farhan Zaidi, our biggest issue wasn't necessarily with the Dodgers losing Zaidi. It was just kind of being bummed that the that the Giants were hiring a smart guy to be their general manager. And I still feel that way. But but you do wonder, as a, from a fan standpoint, if there is some sort of balance you have to strike there with, you know, I mean, Zaidi basically came in and pushed Boshi out. You kind of get the impression Boshi didn't necessarily want to retire, but he didn't want to <laughs> manage the Giants in this current regime anymore. Um, and then, you know, not re-signing Bumgarner, it, it really is saying, okay, we are changing things. And if I was a Giants fan, 
I could see being upset by that and saying, you know what? Uh, Boshi won us three World Series. Bumgarner was a big part of two of those teams. Uh, what's the deal? You know, um, and, and because fandom can blind you some like that because the fact is the Giants haven't been good the last few years and and did need to fix something. Uh, but but you wonder if there's a balance there of of may you know especially seeing how little Bumgarner got. I mean, it was a good contract, but he didn't get paid huge money. And so I mentioned on yesterday's episode how weird it is that Bumgarner's going to go his whole career without without ever getting a huge contract for as good as he is. So you wonder if they could have struck a balance between, you know, being smart and, and maintaining that fan nostalgia. And I think we might see it more in after Kershaw's current contract is up and see what the Dodgers do then if they are willing to, you know, and if Kershaw's willing to come back on a, a lesser contract to stay with the Dodgers or if they are going to have to make a tough decision there. Yeah. Yeah. There was an article today about Baumgartner, and it said that they were negotiating an extension back in 2017 before Baumgartner decided to break his break himself on his dirt bike. And then after that, things got kind of awkward between them. And then obviously when Zaidi came in, uh, as we saw when he came in with the Dodgers and Friedman, and then, you know, these guys don't have feelings necessarily when it comes to players. Um, we saw, I mean, back to another money bar reference, and we saw Billy Bean's character, Brad Pitt, you know, telling him don't get close to the player, telling uh, the other, the, the Podesta character not to get close to players. And that's kind of how it is. You know, you kind of have to be that way. The thing with you know, Bumgarner, he's only 30 years old. He was, he was already on a very, very team-friendly contract ahead of time. So... You know, as a fan, if you're a fan of the Giants, I can see why you'd be upset. I can see both sides of it if you're fine with it because, you know, Giants aren't expected to compete. But, yeah, it is a little, you know, interesting. And the one thing I will say with Zaidi and the Giants that I think I've said it before, maybe not in here, but I do think they are – I, I would have thought, and maybe this is the first step of not, that they were a little bit more of that nostalgic and they would – you know, kind of play into what the fans are thinking, and we we, we kind of saw it played up when the when the Dodgers were rumored to be interested in Baumgartner and how oh like the Giants, you know, they might be able to will be willing to throw more money in order to not make that happen. Uh, so it was just interesting, you know, kind of everything about it. But you know, maybe these guys aren't going to have feelings, and they are going to get rid of all these other guys that were part of some championship teams, and maybe they are going to regrow and. Like I said, it's not wasn't the worst thing that the Dodgers lost Zaidi, but it was a little bit more. Uh, Sword number four. It was a little bit more, you know, jarring that the Giants are doing smart things now. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny when you think about it. the Giants. Really, just have what Posey and Belt and Crawford left from from their good teams. Yeah. I can't think of anybody else they have left from those teams. And, uh, yeah, and you thought, like, in July when the Giants, we thought they were going to trade Bungarner, and they didn't. You thought, oh, well, maybe maybe this is Zaidi giving a nod to the fans of, you know, we understand that Bungarner is important. Um, and and ultimately, I guess, I guess it wasn't. It was really just uh, buying some time. And I don't know how I feel about that, but uh, – uh, I'm glad Baumgartner's staying close enough that the Dodgers still get to see him a lot because 
it's a it's a fun personal rivalry they have with with him, and you don't see that very often where it's one team with a rivalry with a specific player. So yeah, so they also have it, but just in a different uniform now. All right, uh, very different from our discussion last time, but uh, I like the way this one went, so we're gonna keep it. Jeff, you got anything else to add before we get out of here? Uh, no, I'm good. All right, thank you for listening to Locked On Dodgers. We'll be back tomorrow. Maybe some news, but uh, if it's another slow day, we'll figure something out for you guys. Remember, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Himalaya, whatever you use, wherever you think we sound best. If it happens to not be Apple, but you have Apple, please subscribe on there as well. If you like the show, please show us. Tell your friends, tell your family. Tell everybody that you know that's a Dodger fan. They need a Dodger podcast. And download, listen every day, rate and review us. All right, Jeff, we're going to lock down the gift by the end of the week that, or the, the giveaway by the end of this week. Yeah, for sure. Because we've, we've been teasing it for a while. Uh, so make sure you get those reviews in on iTunes or wherever if your pod, other podcast apps have reviews. If it's not Apple, send them our way. If it is. You already entered if you do it. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince Samperio. You can call or text us about whatever you want, 323-863-LOCK, whatever you want regarding the show. Um, I don't think any life advice would be wise to ask us. But hey, well, I'm know. good at life advice, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you all the advice you want. Well, there you go. Life advice also included. So that's 323-863-5625 or shoot us an email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. We're here every weekday morning and we hope you'll be with us. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play a podcast, Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you later. I say D-O-D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all hard. Oh, hard and all thumbs, they're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye.